This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Buffalo's got a spirit talking proud, talking proud. Listen up and hear it talking proud, talking proud. All right, what's going on, everyone? How you doing? Episode 224, Talking Buffalo Podcast. I want to thank everyone out there, as always, for listening, downloading the show. Of course, it means a lot to me. Uh, listen, so it's going to be a five-topic Friday today. That's something that I'm aiming to do on most, if not all Fridays with this podcast going forward. But I got to be honest with you, man. It's a tough week, and it's a tough time to have enthusiasm and energy to want to talk sports. I got my man, Joe Buffalo wins on Twitter with me. I'm going to bring him in in just a second. But like I said, I, I got to be honest with you, like this entire week with everything going on, I want to say this right at the top where we get into things. It's just really hard to focus and frankly, to care about sports. I had Mike Harrington on the show a couple of days ago from the Buffalo news. One of my favorite guests, great sports writer. And I got to be honest with you, man. I just, it was one of those interviews where I think it played well to the audience. I didn't hear any complaints, a lot of compliments, but I just wasn't feeling it. I wasn't focused. I wasn't locked in. A couple little small technical things that I forgot to do that normally I don't when it comes to this podcast. Some things that I wanted to say that I didn't or vice versa. It's just been, it's really tough to focus and lock in. But at the end of the day, I do know people tune in to this podcast at least to hear talk primarily about Buffalo and primarily about sports. So we'll do the best that we can to hit on that today. Like I said, I got my man Joe, recurring guest, on with me a lot. What's up, Joe? You know what? I always say, what's up, Joe? And then you always tell me, living the dream. That's like kind of our our spiel whenever I have you on for a segment. But doesn't it kind of feel cliche? It's like, I already know what's up, bro. Shit sucks right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it sucks. I mean, what do you want? 2012 has been horrible, man. I mean, there is no bottom to 2012. I can just say that. Is it hard for you to find yourself? And again, we got I got five topics. That's the theme of the show. And we're going to talk about five topics. I'll get into those in a minute. But do you find it more and more difficult to really care about sports right now or to be able to dig in on basically anything for that matter? It's just everything's just gone completely haywire. It feels like a century ago where I was having you on the show and I'd be checking in with you, seeing how things are going with COVID in New York City. And you're talking about fear and you know, staying home and stuff like that. It, it feels like ages ago right now. Yeah, it feels like ages ago that we saw a Super Bowl with the Chiefs winning the title. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, sports to me right now seems pretty trivial. I I still really, I don't miss it right now because there's so much shit going on in the world that's kind of just, it's just distracting the hell out of me. Like, to be like, hey, what's going on with the Bills defense or Josh Allen and, 
in Florida or whatever. Like I, I don't, I don't miss it right now because people are suffering and there's a lot of social injustices that I'm sure we'll get into. And has it affected just, your relationship with people that you're friends with family, friends, acquaintances, people that you talk to on social media has like kind of everything that's been happening. Open your eyes, whether it, you, it's your fault, whether it's their fault or it's nobody's fault, whatever. But just, you feel like relationships have systematically turned since all this stuff has happened, because I'm certainly going through a lot of that right now myself. That's for sure. In terms of Twitter, I've definitely been a lot more agitated towards sports teams in general because of their their kind of their blanketed platitude statements about you know oh we 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 denounce racism, but they're not talking about like police brutality or anything like that. Especially in the NFL, none of the teams are doing that, and that's that pisses me off. Because I think of like what happened with Kaepernick and all that sort of stuff that we'll get into. That you know, it's just kind of like you know, I, I get agitated about that. Like this is, has made it even more furious for me to not to just stick to sports. Uh, on a personal level, I know a lot in Buffalo. You know, I know a lot of racists. You know, I, I hate to say that, but I do. You know, as family, you know, people within the family. You know, people I've known, friends of friends. You know, I've known them and it's kind of like it's tiring to a point to where, you know, you want whenever you hear someone and I had this all planned out in my head kind of at different junctures when we were going to do this. You know, I think a lot of like white people have those like racist family members or racist friends or friends of the friends who you could probably say, yeah, that guy's a little racist, you know, and a lot of times when people bring shit up. And you kind of are like, this is stupid. This is wrong. This is racist. I think it's easy for me to go online and tweet like, this is why I kneel or tweet a, a photo of me with cap, you know, with me with a Kaepernick shirt on or anything along those lines. But it's it's harder or it shouldn't be hard, but it is for you to to, to tell like your uncle or tell a, a family member or tell, you know, a friend of a friend, like when they're going off diatribe about, you know, African-Americans or immigration or things like that. Like you got to like sit there and tell them this is bullshit. You need to stop. And this is why, cause you're full of shit, you know? And like, I think white people don't do that enough. They don't police their own people when it comes to racism. You know, they get, they, 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 they get, they get, they're scared to do so. They don't want to, you know, rub their people that they genuinely, it's different when you're, like I said, when you're on Facebook, you post something, or maybe you go to a bar and like some random dude is saying something ridiculous, like next to you in the bar stool. And you can like maybe say something to them because you have, you don't, you don't have a relationship with them. But if you do know people who are racist that maybe you grew up with and they, they've turned a blind eye and they're not, you know, ridiculous, it might be harder for you to tell them, Hey, stop it. Cause you know them. And I think white people through all of this weeks that, you know, for the last week that we've seen, need to like start saying stuff to each other. And I think police officers need to do that. You, yes. You know, there's a hundred, there could be 70 police officers who are great and 30 who are bad. But if those 70 police officers know those 30 are bad, then there's a hundred bad police officers. Cause if they're not saying something to them, that manifests the problem. So yes, I've, I've viewed everything a little bit differently, you know, over the last week or the last month, really, even going back to the, the guy, the, the jogger in Georgia who got shot for no freaking reason because he was black and he was jogging, you know, it's just, it's just, everything has just manifested now. And it's just like, you know, I'm tired of it. You know, I'm tired of like 
our sport sports teams that we you talked about this as a sports podcast. Yes, it is. And I'm tired of sports teams, especially in Buffalo, who I don't really think they care or they're scared to like rise up and talk, you know, police reform or even talk p- police brutality at all. So I don't know if I just went through all your entire rundown just now, but like, you know, it's a very passionate topic for me that I'm just really maybe 10, 15 years ago, I wouldn't have been that much of like, uh, eh, you know, whatever it, it sucks. But now, you know, when you're put, when you're at 40 and you've seen stuff and I know more African-American people who have been racially pro- profiled by cops. And I've heard people like white people that I know that have been racist and have said really bad shit about black people. You know, it's just like, you know what? We need more than just a stupid statement from our, our sports teams. Cause they're the ones that can make a difference and they could get, they're going to get more of like, if you're talking about this, they're going to get more of, of a, of a microphone to, to speak about this. And when it, and maybe like five years ago when all these sports teams released these statements, I, I, I remember when, you know, Kaepernick, you know, took a knee and he was like, you know, and he t- or not took a knee. I'm sorry. When Trump called everyone a son of a bitch, you know, with the players for Neely and like the entire league was pissed off. And, you know, they released statements like kind of condemning that. And you I, I remember thinking to myself, wow, look at this. This is this good, good movement. And then, of course, what happens? They blackball Kaepernick, and it's like, well, that sucks, you know. And, and why did you why did you release those statements? Did you do it because you knew the players were pissed off? You know what I mean? Like, did did the Bills and the Sabers take what was it a week to like release any sort of statement because the players aren't at the facility right now to yell and bitch about how cra- how crappy this is, and they don't want to alienate cops? You know, it's just it's just a joke, you know, and it's just it's just. I really just don't. I'm at, I'm at a loss for words. Oh, actually, I'm not. I'm still going. But like, I just, I just think, <laughs> I think at the end of the day, if anything we learn from this, I think white people need to police other white people better when it comes to racism. More than just posting something on Facebook or Twitter. If you run across any of them, family members and and friends of friends, or you know, you you, you can't just be brooding and just going, okay, I can't wait to get out of this room so I can go home and freaking watch tv like you need to like confront that and be like dude like this is ridiculous what you're saying you know because i think all of us every white i don't care every white person has run through has knows a white racist they do well let me say this man when you were going on there one thing that you said that resonated with me was being older and i'm older than you not a ton older than you but old enough that i was in my very early 20s i think i might have been 20 in fact when the Rodney King stuff happened. And I remember my attitude at the time was, well, you know, this is really fucked up, man. But you know what? These cops don't represent all cops and all white people aren't like that. And that was my easy, convenient thing to say, which, I mean, let's be fair. Factually, that is true. Most cops are good cops. Most cops aren't discussing pigs like these murderers or some of the ones that we're seeing on these videos on Twitter during a lot of this protesting. Not all white people are racist. Lots of white people are good people. Lots of black people are good people. There are black thugs. There's white thugs. Just stuff like that. It was easy to always just say that when I was younger. Now I feel like because I'm older, I feel like I'm kind of missing the boat of what this is all about. And that's kind of been the the focus, the, the frustrating part about some of my arguments with close friends and in some cases even family is that that's what I'm hearing now. And there is a case to be made for that. You know, these cops that did what they did, they don't represent all cops. 
a lot of these protesters out there, I mean, 90% of them are good people. 10% of them are not even 10%, 3% of them are pieces of shit that are out there for their own gain. I don't want to hear about that shit. And the whole all lives matter. Of course, all lives matter. And this, I think, is the biggest difference for me maybe right now. I don't know if it's because of age. I don't know if it's because of maturity. Or maybe I'm wrong. I just, I'm frustrated and I can't let shit go. Like these arguments that I'm having with close people that are close to me are resonating with me in a bad way. Like they're taking my focus away from things. I can't lock in on anything at all because that's how I feel. Like in this case, it is about black lives mattering. Not all lives matter. And of course, all lives matter. But that's not what this is about. And I think that's what frustrates me because a lot of the blowback that I'm hearing, I don't, nobody thinks that what happened to George Floyd was, was right. Nobody thinks that. And nobody thinks that these looters and scumbags out there destroying businesses and attacking people and ruining property, government stuff like that, that jerk off who tried to throw a firebomb in inside City Hall in Buffalo. Nobody at all condones that nobody you know what i'm saying but it's like people are saying like even drew Brees, and we're going to talk about him later what do you, i don't think his intention was bad i think his ignorance on the topic is what made it bad but i'm kind of getting frustrated because that's what i'm dealing with a lot every day and i'm just i don't know man i, I think maybe when i was younger there was so much more going on in my life so much more to look forward to to do that it was just easier to let it go. I was in college when the Rodney King thing happened. I remember tensions being terrible in school. I was staying in a dorm at the time, but it was just easier to let shit go. Whereas right now, I just, I can't let anything go, to be honest with you, man. Yeah, I can't either. And, you know, in terms of the differences between like Rodney King and then and now, I think more people see videos sure. of like police brutality. And I think it's manifested more people being pissed off and not thinking there's a couple of bad apples. It's more than a bad apple. It's a, it's a bad orchard. Right. You know, and, and in terms of the vandalism and, and, and property destruction, look, I don't want that to happen. No one does. But I think there's a frustration when people are trying to say that's worse than, than a black guy getting killed by cops. And it's not, it's not worse. It's, it's, it's not worse. Okay. Being having a, a black guy get killed by a fucking cop is way worse than, okay. Some, a couple of windows getting broken. Okay. It is. And I'm not, I'm not condoning that. You shouldn't do that, obviously. But I think there's a lot of outrage out there in terms of way more towards that by cops and by city officials than towards, hey, let's do some police reforming. Let's try to figure this out, you know, by talking to them and doing more of like, they're, they're, they're just, like I said, I, I haven't had more, I've heard more stories about policemen being bad towards, you know, black people than I have heard black people being bad towards policemen. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can even go back to being a kid or being like a not kid, but like a young adult where I would see, you know, I would go downtown to Buffalo and like I would go to these bars and they would always be off-duty cops as the bouncers. And these guys were assholes. And like, I'm not talking like they like justifiably throwing people out. I'm talking like, like beating up people like for no reason. I got the shit kicked out of me once outside of the steer by two off-duty cops because I grabbed my friend who was about to get in a fight and I said, hey, we got to go. And then some bouncer just decided, oh, I'm going to mess up this guy, Joe, who was like 5'7", and he was towering on me and blasted me in the head like seven, eight times. And I was trying to just get my friend out of there. You know, and I think, I think I, again, it's just like, what stories do you hear more? Yes, there's some good cops. Fine, we get, we get that. But like, they, the, there's a lot, there are a bunch that are bad. And I think, 
it's it goes beyond just killing a black guy. It goes it's it's talking about driving while black. It's talking about you know racial profiling. It's talking even going beyond that. You know, it's like the, how we how we compare athletes to other athletes who are of color. Like just people just just don't get it, and people don't want to. They just don't want to get out of that. And of course, you know, we have the the racist in charge. He's just an idiot, and he is not uniting anyone. And you know, he's not going to talk about police reform because he knows his 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 base is our bunch of cops, and he loves them. And he's not going to, you know. And that's the other part of it. Like, you know, while we were recording this, Cuomo talked about to, about how police officers in in New York City have been totally fine throughout all of this. And it's like, what are you, are you, are you on crack? Like there's videos of NYPD guys just messing up with protesters. Like they, I saw a video from two days ago where a, 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 a car got tear gassed by like a bunch of cops and the, the and it started, like it got tear gassed. A guy, an African-American got out of the car and said, what the hell are you doing? And I got, he's like, I got a pregnant wife in here. And what did the cops do? Throw more tear gas at the car. That was parked like right there. And like the governor is going to sit there and say, oh, the cops have been fine during this. Like, what are you kidding me? Like they haven't like, ugh, it's just, it's just awful. Like, and this is like, and it's like, I think these teams are like, I going back to this team's element of it. I think they're scared about like shaking, like a uh, pissing off local police. I think a lot of police have business with these teams. Like give you an example, like the bills, like who do you think, who's running security on the streets? Like during game day, like uh, you know, it's it's the Orchard Park Sheriff Office, so they probably don't want to piss off them because who's going to run the the traffic, you know, lights or whatever? Who's going to control the streets? You know, because I bet you if they did say something like you know, hey, you know, we need police reform, Orchard Park Police Department or the the sheriffs are going to be like, hey, well, guess what? We're not going to go patrol your freaking stadium now. Like, how do you like that? You know, and a lot of them, there's money exchange. I'm sure. A lot of teams donate money to police to police officers, to precincts. I know my family, when we owned the pizzeria, we donated money to the local police department too. They gave us those stupid stickers that we would put on our on our car. So if you got a speeding ticket, you can get out of it because you're like, oh, hey, I donate money. You know, and I don't know where the hell that money went to. Like, what, it went to like gym shorts for the rec league or something like that. But it's just, it's just, there's just a double standard that's happening right now with like, no one, like, no shit, racism is bad. No shit, like, no, like what happened in Minnesota was bad. But, like, the root cause of that, in that instance, is police brutality, and, and that's where it needs to, like, start. And, like, when I see the NFL gave a statement out, like, oh, well, like, you know, we don't like these, you know, like what, what Goodell did last week, and it was like, like, you guys blackballed Ka- Kaepernick. Not only did you blackball Kaepernick, but you couldn't handle him doing a silent protest. It's just like, it's ridiculous. Anyways, I'm, I'm sorry. So. That's all right. Well, I'm going to tell you what, man, first of all, props, by the way, betting Jerry's of all the million statements I've seen condoning everything that's at or condemning, I should say everything that happens far away. Ben and Jerry's had the best one, but anyway, here's what I want to do, man. We're going to circle back to that near the end. There's at least some people, and I can understand why they were tuning into a podcast like this because they want a little bit of a temporary reprieve from feeling like this, feeling some kind of way. So we're going to put this back to the end of this because I got a topic here at the end. I want to talk a little bit of straight sports now. Granted, like you said, not a lot of shit going on, not a lot of shit to care about, but got a couple things at least that I want to get a couple quick takes from me on. Let's start. Number one, the Buffalo Bills uh, most must hold training camp at their team facilities this year. Came out 
this week in NFL Memo. The Bills are one of nine teams that usually go on the road to camp. Of course, they've been at St. John's Fisher every year since 2000, and they got one more year left on that deal. want to read a quote to you from Sean McDermott and his Zoom presser on Wednesday, and then I want to ask you if you buy this and, and get your reaction. This is what he said about being away. He said, yeah, I've always been a proponent of going away. I think we're one of the few teams that still do go away, and I just believe in that for a lot of reasons. One of which is getting away builds fellowship and commodity and you share an experience. And anytime you share an experience, I think that bodes well for building community, chemistry, and the like, which are so important, in my opinion, in building a good team. Do you buy that? Basically, what he's saying is he likes being on the road because it kind of forces the team to be together more. Do you think that's an, an advantage that the Bills are losing out on? No. It's, it's, it's rigmarole. I mean, come on. First off, teams nowadays don't do what the Bills do with the Rochester thing. You know, they nine they teams. All, there, there's nine teams that go away, and the Bills are one of that's them. That's it. Yes, and I'm sure, like the thirty, the twenty, whatever, whatever, whatever it is, twenty three other teams have probably had success, maybe won a Super Bowl or two, who who stay home for training camp. So, you know, I don't, I don't really buy that logic that much. And and, and furthermore, like this team has kind of been together for a couple of years now. I can understand if this was like 2000, I don't know, 17 or 18, when you have a new coach, maybe more, more of an influx of new players, even maybe last year, like when they had like 20 new faces or whatever the hell that was, I can understand maybe a little bit of that, but now like, look, you, you got your core. You don't have to have sleepaway camp anymore, you know, to build camaraderie or anything like that. So I don't know. I'd say I'd never, I think that's an old, thing i think it's maybe 20 years ago i would have thought oh yeah you can you can do that but now because other teams have brokered have finished with that sort of stuff you know i i don't really buy that as too much of like this building of culture and all that sort of stuff well it certainly sucks for rochester that's for sure in terms of what sean mcdermott said man I, look there's a point to it i've always have long heard that teams bond together on the road than they do at home because it kind of forces you to spend more time getting to know each other. And as you know, whether it's bullshit or not, this is a very heavy, quote unquote, I'm using air quotes here, people can't see them, character-driven, culture-driven franchise. Now, whether that's a bunch of bullshit and coach speak or not, uh, I guess that's up for debate. But yeah, it's not a big deal for me. The only thing that, like I said, it kind of sucks is for the people of Rochester that, you know, make that a big day in the summer. I'm sure there's a lot of businesses in that area that get a nice spike because of all the fans coming down to see the team practice. Just one of a, you know, a million effects that are still being felt because of this COVID, which by the way, we spent 20 minutes talking about a non-sports topic and for good reason, didn't even mention COVID, but obviously it's still, you know, everyone's still feeling the effects of that. But yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it's a big deal at all. Yeah, it's not. And, you know, with Rochester, I, you know, I don't know how – it's funny. I've, I've only been to one, like, train. I've never been to Rochester for training camp or Fredonia. I went to, like, one weird OTA. It was an open practice in, like, 1992. It was, like, in April. Like, it was an OTA in Rich Stadium, you know, New Era Field or whatever, at the time. And, like, that's the only time I ever – I was a kid. I got autographs. I watched some deep balls, like, get thrown. Whatever it was not that it was not that really 
breathtaking to go and watch it, to be honest with you. So yeah, I, I don't know how much, like, I, I mean, I don't know how many people are going to these events. They, they over, they've, they've shrunk them down to like 11 to 12 or something like that. I know next year the contract is up after next year. Yeah, they got one so more I, year. Yeah, so I don't know what's going to happen afterwards. I mean, that was like Russ Brandon's, like, brainchild the whole like let's move training camp there or like or like actually he didn't have anything to do with that he but he kept it going you know in terms of that i personally i I, I mean i like it though joe i mean there are like you said you've only been there once it's a very for a fan it's a very fan friendly thing to be able to do it feels much more intimate being able to watch the team practice the players are much more accessible there's like a different group like position players afterwards that are always in autograph tents Good opportunity to get photographs. There's stuff going around too. I'm, yeah, but I'm sorry. Unless you're a kid and you're, I'm sorry. But if you're an adult begging for autographs, well, okay. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that. I'm man. with you and on that too. Kid, I'm not, I'm not kid, an autograph guy. I agree with you. Yeah, like if you're a kid, totally. You're right. Like it's good for kids. Like if you want to bring your family there, awesome. Like I get it. Hey, kids can go see. You know, get a Josh Allen autograph, you know, great. Well, selfies. You're you're a selfie guy. I'm a selfie guy. Selfies is a new autograph, I guess. I guess. But I don't know. For, for, (laughs) for like adults, like if you're going there with like three buds, I don't know. That just doesn't, doesn't really register with me. I mean, we'll see what happens. Well, I mean, I, I am curious on what's going to happen going forward. Like, let's just say they leave Rochester and they go to Buffalo, like full time after next year. Like, how are they going to do it? Like, is it, is it, is it, are are they going to open that? Add pro gym that they have, which is like a football practice. They're going to open that up, and that's going to be where people are going to watch. Or they're going to open up the stadium for people to watch. Like, how is that going to work yeah, out? In terms, of- I don't know. I, I don't. I personally don't think there's any way. I don't want to say anyway. I personally don't think they're going to leave Rochester, but that remains to be seen. All right, next topic here. Switching over to the Buffalo Sabers again. Not much going on with the Bills, at least not now. There will be soon, but not yet. Jack Eichel spoke to the media recently. Pretty easy to tell that he was frustrated. I had Mike Harrington on the podcast on Tuesday. Some people didn't get it, and you probably didn't hear it either because you never listen to the podcast unless you're on it. So I'm going to play this clip. Now sit back because this is a good four-minute clip, but this is Mike Harrington talking about Jack Eichel. And then on the other side of that, I want to come back and I want to get your take on a couple questions that I got for you about Jack Eichel. But for now, like I said, sit back for the next four minutes or so. And listen to Mike talk about Jack Eichel on Tuesday's show. Here it is. What are your thoughts on Aaron and Mike? Because you got a guy right now, he's five years in, probably the most heralded prospect ever in the history of this franchise, if not one of the top two for sure. He's played well. He's lived up to all the hype, maybe even exceeded it. He's been a fantastic player yet again. Five years, man. That's a lot of years of your NHL career rotted away in a team that's not even playing meaningful games in mid-March, let alone the playoffs. How much do you think that's getting to him at this point? You know, the first thing I'd say, Pat, is Jack Eichel's the worst loser on the Sabres team, and I say that with the highest of compliments. I want him to be the worst loser on the team. He's the best player. He's the captain. You go in that locker room after a game when they lose and the whole roster is vaporized into the back-restricted area, you'll find Jack Eichel most likely still in full equipment at his locker, pondering what just happened, You know, often waiting for the media to come talk to him. So he can talk about the game and get some of his frustration out. So full marks to Jack Eichel. What he said made a big stir in the Canadian media, whatever. We've heard it before. And he didn't say anything to us on the Zoom call that he hasn't said to the Pagulas and Jason Botterill and Ralph Kruger and everybody else in his team. So good. 
he should be frustrated. He needs more from some of the other guys in this team. He needs more from the GM to build a better team. When the GM told us, you know, it's all about prospects, when I said to Botterill, what's the plan here? And he said, Dylan Cousins and Tage Thompson and Casey Middlestat. Jack Eichel was asked, what would you do? And he said, well, that's not my area, you know, I play. And then he went on to say, well, you know, we could use a little more toughness and depth. And he said, veterans. He didn't say draft and develop. He said veterans. He wants to get some NHL players in here right now. And that's one of the reasons I say if they don't hit it in the lottery for one, two, or three, and you look at the number seven, eight pick, trade the pick, get an NHL player in here to help Jack Eichel out right now. Do you feel like, well, look, never say never, but the odds of him getting traded are minuscule, and that's putting it very mildly. But let's just say, worst-case scenario, man, this team does struggle next year, and we get to the midpoint of the season or beyond, and they're not good. They're not trading Jack Eichel, but do you think that the the murmurs are going to get a lot louder? This guy's going to get, you just talked about it, he's the worst loser on the team. Another year of losing, Year six, year four of your GM, if this team stinks again next year, he might not get traded, but do you feel like there's going to be a lot of rumors out there, or at least speculation, that even if he doesn't get traded, that he wants out? Well, it's dumb. It's dumb. It's a salary cap league. He signed his long-term deal at big money. You know, he could have gone for a shorter term. He signed his deal. You're not trading a guy with a $10 million cap hit. Who's taking that on? What kind of package could you offer the Buffalo Sabres back for Jack Eichel? Right. I mean, it's crazy. It's just not happening. He signed his deal. He's earning his money. He's going to be here. I can't even see a scenario. He does have a no-movement clause that starts in 2022. But, you know, that's it's a cap league. You just can't trade a guy with a $10 million cap hit. How would you do it? How would you work it out? I mean, somebody would trade you five guys back. Do you want five guys for Jack Eichel? What five guys would you want, Pat? I mean, not so Tage, no. not Tage Thompson, Saboka, and whoever the hell. Right, we already went him. through that trading a guy for five guys, <laughs> and look what look what they got out of the situation. So let's not revisit that nightmare. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think you know it comes out of Canada all the time. Oh, he's going to want to trade. No, he wants to win here. He wants the GM to be better. He wants his teammates to be better. What's wrong with that? Why is that a problem? Do we want him to just get on the call and say, we'll be better next year, nice and quietly in vanilla? Or did you want a little fire and brimstone? I wanted some fire and brimstone from the GM three months later. I realized it was three months later. We didn't get it. We got it from Jack. He was pissed. Good. Yeah. Now, now go. let's go work on it. All right, that was Mike. I'm back here with Joe. So I played that clip for two reasons, Joe. Number one, I wanted to give people out there listening who might not have caught Tuesday's show a chance to hear some of Mike's takes pretty strong there on Jack Eichel. What's your opinion on all this right now? Because you got a guy who's the franchise player, the superstar player, who in my opinion has played as well realistically as he could five years into his career. This is completely rotted away. I mean, again, he's not even, forget the playoffs, dude. He hasn't even sniffed a meaningful late regular season game. So. Where do you think he should stand right now? How are you feeling if you're Jack Eichel? Well, first off, I don't know why Mike Harrington still calls into your show. Tell him to go buy a headset, okay? A microphone, for God's sakes, okay? Tax right off. Uh, yeah, so your, so your question on Eichel, yeah, I mean, he's pissed off, and he should be pissed off. And I do, I do sense 
you know, either die a hero or you live long enough to become the villain. And, like, I feel like that's how it works with the Sabres and it, when it comes to star players. Like, eventually, they leave. It just has always weirdly been that way. Like, there have not been that many players like Gilbert Parole or whoever who have, like, stayed there the whole time or the franchise guy. But then eventually it breaks up badly, you know, and it breaks up whether it's losing, whether it's financial, whether it's new regime, all that sort of stuff. So nothing will shock me, you know, in terms of, of like – him wanting a trade at some point if they are if they're still terrible and you know i think he does realize that like he doesn't seem like a stupid guy he knows the gm has been here for for almost three years and you know yeah he has been here for three you know three seasons and the team really isn't better and there's nothing really coming through he he sees that and they do need more players so i do think eventually i you know i, I don't I don't know. There's a part of me that kind of thinks it's very easy for Buffalo Twitter to fall into the, oh, my God, he's going to leave, like, because it's Buffalo. You know what I mean? Like, it's this impending doom is going to happen. Like, you know, I always talk about the constant we need reassurance in Buffalo, like, for people to love us. And it's very easy to kind of feel that, oh, it's not going to end. It's not going to end. It's going to end badly for Jack. You know, even though there is a history of it always ending badly for players in general for the Sabres in terms of staying here. But, you know, I, it's, it's tough. It's got to be tough for him. You know, it's got to be tough for any star player, for any franchise player to be somewhere and they just be just the drizzling shits here in terms of the franchise. All right, fair enough. I want to stick with the Sabres here. Another topic, the Pagulas, the, they're continuing to at least try and rehab their image. Lance Lazowski from the Buffalo News reported on Thursday that PSC is paying their employees for the Six regular season um, home games that got canceled. Finally, paying that actually today as people are listening to this on Friday. That includes security, ticket holders, ushers, freelance broadcast workers. Now, originally in March, Kim had said, and I'm not going to use the whole quote, but basically that it wasn't just them that was going to pay. It was going to be players, staff, the foundation contributing, the Sabres Foundation, all that stuff. Those guys, quote unquote, stepping up. But ultimately, at the end of the day, Maybe because of pressure, it's Terry and Kim and PSE that are paying these employees now, finally, for these six games. Uh, where are you at with the Pagulas? Because it's like one step forward, two steps back. They put out a statement, which every other team did. I really don't buy too much into most of them. Also, when Jason Botcherill last week, when it was announced that he was going to be back, Kim had some pretty condescending wording in the press release or the, you know, the release that was reported by John Worrell at the AP saying, that insinuating that they know more than fans do. You know, it's it's like, it's tough to really get a read on them and how they do, but like, where do you, where are they at with you right now? Uh, not in a good place. <laughs> and then it's been that way for a while now. And, you know, just this week with the, like I just kind of told you in the beginning about like their reaction to the protests or not, to the protests or what's happened. Now, now not going after police brutality and all that sort of stuff. But like in this case with the with the employees, I'm curious what the hell happened to the money that the Sabres Foundation and that uh, the Sabres players, you know, they were going to come up with. Where did that money end up going then? You know, since if they if they paid it out of their own pockets to these employees, where did that money end up going? That's kind of a weird thing to say to figure out. But I'm, it's not it's not I'm not in a good place with them at all. You know, it's not. And I'm curious, Pat, because I don't know if you just you saw this, but. Buffalo's going through phase two right now where 
you can have outdoor seating for restaurants. I've not seen I have not seen any word whatsoever about the 716 bar or the Labatt Blue House reopening. I haven't seen anything. Me neither. I haven't seen I haven't seen they're doing interviews. Like you would think, like, hey, they should be doing interviews now because it seems like this is going to get ratcheted up and probably within the next you know 3 4 weeks you know, it's gonna. It's might be full full steam ahead. I oh, don't you know. mean people have an interview for the jobs that they yeah. weren't even promised to get back? That they have to re-interview for the same jobs that they already had? Yeah, Ridiculous. that bullshit. Yeah, but like that, there's been nothing, and they're doing outdoor seating today. And I know from those those both those places, I'm pretty sure don't have outdoor seating. See, I know seven one six bar doesn't, and I, I I'm pretty positive that uh, the Labatt Blue House might not have that as well. But not sure. Not sure, but you could easily look. You could easily put freaking tables on the outside of your freaking establishment, especially them. They freaking own that block, basically. Like the cops, they're going to say anything to them. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm curious. I've always had this weird suspicion that part of the reason why they closed their restaurants down was because they were losing a lot of money in general. And I wonder if they're rethinking the restaurant business a little bit. And that's just me freestyling. I have no inside info. But it's kind of weird that we have not we have not heard or seen anything along those lines about that. Yeah, I agree. I don't think the needle moves at all because they're paying them. I mean, they're supposed to pay them. Did you pay them yourselves? Fantastic. But I also kind of want to at least going forward try make an attempt to look at them open minded. Like a lot of times when you're so you know content or incontent, I should say. Well, like, say Jason Botcher, for an example. I feel like everything he does, I'm going to criticize it automatically no matter what. I want to get to that place where I'm not like that with the Bagulas. But granted, I really don't know if that's going to be possible. I got one more. We'll hit on this quickly, too, because there's not a lot to it. But I do want to get your opinion on this. And then we're going to finish up with some Drew Brees and shitty stuff that we got to hit on. But the NBA is going to be starting with 22 teams near the end of July. And so is hockey. We already know about the 2014 playoff coming in July, late July, I think. It doesn't, of course, involve the Buffalo Sabres still because they finished 25th. Because, of course, they did. But speaking purely from sports, and I mean literally nothing else but sports that we watch on TV every day, are you starting to feel a little sense of normalcy? Or not so much normalcy because nothing's normal. But is that something that excites you right now? You know, sports coming back, NHL, NBA, maybe MLB, who knows if they get their shit together or not. There might not even be a season, but are you getting excited about the prospect of watching sports on TV or with everything going on in the world right now? You just had a point, your mindset that you just don't give a shit right now. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of both more. So I don't give a shit, but I, I kind of feel that when I see it on TV, then I'll give a shit. But like up until like the lead up, like I'm not like, Oh man, I can't wait six weeks. We're going to have, sports like I'm, I'm not there yet I when I, I i will get there i think and yes it is the coronavirus it is plateauing it seems like it's 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 shrinking which is good obviously when it shrinks even more then i'll probably feel that you know in general then i'll be like okay hey look good like we got sports starting soon maybe but like as of right now on whatever day this is june 2nd 3rd whatever i you know i'm not really I'm not in, into that right now. I mean, I mean, I'm still, I still have to wear masks, like leaving my apartment and there's no, you know, we're not in phase one or two yet in New York city. We're in- That's understandable. And I agree phase with one, you. Oh. And I, and I kind of feel the same way. And like, there's a part of me that is, well, a big part of me is excited because frankly, you know, by habit, 
I work from home and I'm just, I'm without even thinking, man, I got ESPN or Fox Sports 1 on or something like that all day. And it's the same shit that you hear over and over and over again. I'm tired of hearing about it. I mean, obviously now things are a little bit different, but even before that, I mean, Michael Jordan hasn't played an NBA game in what, 18 years. And I think I spent a month straight of tuning in to ESPN every morning and hearing four or five hours about Michael Jordan talk. So that's exciting to me, the prospect of having real sports just for that, you know, just for that reason alone, man. But you know, we'll, we'll see how things play out. I'm also concerned because the way 2020 is going, dude, these guys are going to get into camp. They'll play one or two games and guess what's going to happen. We're going to hear about three or four guys testing positive and then everything's going to get shut down again for all we know. So I'm like, I'm, I'm anxious in a way, but I'm not overly optimistic just because I think this year is just beating the shit out of us so much that it's like, well, you know, what's coming next? We still got another month to go now before we even hit the halfway point of 2020, which is how I want to end up. Like I said, we talked about this at the, at the top. I'm going to circle back to it a little bit more now. Yeah, Drew, but real quick, go ahead. If, if I can, if I can throw this in there, like the thing I missed, the thing I missed, the most, I, I don't. I, I don't have this so like oh man I miss sports it's it's there if you want me to ask like what I miss the most I miss like seeing my friends like that's what I that's sure. what I want this this stupid thing to end like because I haven't seen I've seen like two people like face to face that I've known in the last like three months where we're walking around in masks like around the park like I've had no one come to my house I, or my apartment like none of that that's what I'm looking forward to I I am looking forward to restaurants being open so we can sit outside or whatever and I can meet people and like that's what I'm looking forward to I'm not really like that's what I really need to happen because I'm entertained watching television Netflix listening to podcasts like I can like that that's that's enough to help me get through like the I need a distraction point in my life but it's it's seeing friends that's what I want that's what I rather have like that's what I'm fiending for way more than seeing baseball or basketball right now and again Maybe if it's there, when I see it on TV, it will all come back to me, like first love or whatever. But like, that's what I'm like, that's what I'm like thinking about doing. Like, when can I go to a restaurant with my friends or a bar and drink and like be with friends again? That's what I'm thinking of. That's fair. I mean, personally, me, I really don't give a shit about other people. So I'm just, (laughs) I'm joking. But in all seriousness, I mean, I'm down here in Florida, so it's quite different than you in New York. Like my wife's already playing in volleyball again, and I'm seeing people all the time. I was just at a small, I mean, I'm not talking like, like the Ozark lakes, like we saw on Twitter last week, but you know, I'm hanging out with five, 10 people at a time at, at a couple people's houses and gatherings and stuff like that. Things have been open down here for a while. I've been out to eat a handful of times. So in fact, we're going to see tonight. I don't know the details, but something about Nick, Nick Willenda, that crazy ass psycho trapeze artist. He lit his base here is in Sarasota, Florida. He's got some kind of show tonight. And we got tickets and it's like, you got to sit in your car though, but that's what we're doing tonight. But anyway, whatever, <laughs> let's, let, let's finish, uh, with Drew Brees here because that's, you know, that's the main event of this episode. Unfortunately, of course, under fire with the NFL, under fire with his teammates, under fire with his colleagues. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you at least know something about sports. I don't, you know, the, the, I'm not going to read his long winded first original quote from his interview, but basically the gist of it was he has a problem with people who were kneeling during the national anthem because in his mind, it disrespects the, uh, the American flag. And also, you know, he cited his two grandfathers who fought for this country and it just came off as really insensitive. And I'll tell you what, man, I've never seen anything like this before in my life. Not that there hasn't been, I mean, it's not like it was a flat out 
you are a disgusting racist take. That's not what I got out of it. Obviously, it was very insensitive. And it sounds like someone who just, I don't know, either is uneducated or just oblivious. And we talked about this a little bit at the top, maybe a little bit oblivious to the, the cause, the movement and everything and all the injustices and everything that's going on. But here's my point. I've never seen more players go after someone like I saw with Drew Brees. Now, mind you, man, this is a dude who's never been in trouble, has never been controversial. He's done a lot of good for his community and a lot of good for the National Football League. Does not excuse what he said, of course. But my point is, man, they piled on him. His own Malcolm Jenkins had a very emotional four-minute Instagram video. LeBron went after him. Aaron Rodgers, Richard Sherman, his teammates, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Emmanuel Sanders. That's what I'm talking about, man. Just completely went in all on him. I mean, like, what's your take on all this? So much ugliness going on right now, obviously, from every angle. And I just, I, if you would have told me somebody's going to cause a shit storm in the NFL with, a, in, uh, with an insensitive comment, and I'm being generous by saying that, the last person I probably would have said was Drew Brees. Yeah, I, I, this isn't surprising to me because he he did speak out about this back in 2017, you know, about, about kneeling, like he didn't want to do that. He's always been Mr. Patriot, Patriot, you know, Patriot, Captain America type. The, the bottom line is just like his timing of this was just horrible. And I think if he had just said, he lost everyone basically at the beginning when he said, I can never stand with people who disrespect the flag. After that, he could have said, I'm all for Black Lives Matter. I'm going to donate a million dollars to Black Lives Matter, to NAACP. It would have all been lost because he said, like, I cannot stand with people who disrespect the flag. That's what killed everything. And I think that's what pissed everyone off because it was, it's never been about the flag. We've talked about that ad nauseum. I don't know why he can't get that. And the timing of it just was horrible for him to say that. And, like, Tensions are super high right now. People are very pissed off, and they should be. And Drew Brees just made it about himself with saying that statement. And I'm sorry, like I'm not, I am not a patriot, patriot kind of person, patriotic. Excuse me, that's the word I'm looking for. Type of person. I'm just not. Like I don't have like family members who were wearing World War II or anything like that. I'm kind of a little bit in that realm of I'm a little bit of ashamed of like what America has become since 2016 through everything and I'll, I can get that another time, but like, I'm just not that guy. So I'm maybe not, I, I, I have a hard time, you know, hearing his reasoning, like him thinking about his grandfather and maybe that's, that's pretty a, a shitty take by me, but I, I just, I'm like, okay, dude, it's like, it's an anthem. Like, I, I don't know why you are so like, just won't shut up about it. And like, are and, like, insulted like about, and making it about the flag. It never was. It doesn't take a genius to figure that out. Even if you have grandfathers who have died in the war or whatever, like for him to say that is just, it was completely tone deaf. And I, I do feel a little bit, a little bad for him a little bit because he is, he's done a lot. Like he's donated money to Katrina. Five, Katrina five million to COVID. And not just five million to COVID, five million to COVID for the state of Louisiana. Yeah. Like he's, he's done some good stuff. So I feel I feel a little bad, like taking a colossal shit on him, but it's like, dude, like get you, get your head out of your ass. And the, his comments were so like, he went like into like political mode. Like he, he looked like a politician right there. Like if you were to, like, if, if, if Ted Cruz or whoever like was like, Hey, talk to me about disrespecting the flag. Like he just went, he just snapped right into that. And I felt like he thought he was saying something really 
profound because then he he went into like racial prejudice and stuff like that like you know us standing together it's us against racial you know prejudice i'm like is it really like like i'm standing for the anthem i guess it's a song it's a it's a song dude like i'm not you think about that you're dead you know dead grandparents who fought in the war or whatever a lot of people when they're freaking listening to the anthem they're thinking about when's this over so i can go have another beer you know what i mean i'm sorry that's like some people think that so like you're implementing your beliefs of like your your opinions of the flag the anthem onto everyone else and then not respecting why people are protesting you know so it's just it and then his apology wasn't great either like it was just basically yeah i'm sorry and you know he he's got a lot of freaking work to do man that's all i got to say about that and he better hope like he's not he's not terrible this year or like he regresses or anything like that because he's got a lot of work to do and I think it's it's not shocking to me that he said that, honestly, because he was pretty vocal about it in 2017, 2016, when all that, that stuff went down. He's had photos with Trump and, and, you know, when Trump's been in the White House. So, you know, he definitely swings that way in regards to that. But, you know, he he is he's got a lot of freaking work to do, man, like a lot. I want to give a couple takes on this and it's a little bit layered. From a football standpoint, and I'm only talking football, I think he'll eventually be all right. And part of that reason is, and again, I'm only speaking football here. We're only at the beginning of June. He's got plenty of time, plenty of opportunity to have one-on-one conversations, at least with his teammates I'm talking about. He's got time for that. Sean Payton is a fantastic head coach, and he's very well respected. So from a football, because I've heard people say, dude, your career's over. I don't believe that to be true. I think he'll end up playing this year. So that's from a football standpoint. I also, while I do think his apology felt a little bit PR-ish, like I don't know if somebody wrote that for him. I don't know if he He's a pretty intelligent guy. He easily could have wrote it himself. Maybe he was advised on what to say. It does feel a little bit on the PR side. But having said that, and this is something I just talked about a minute ago or so, if there's a handful of people who make a mistake and deserve a second chance. I feel like Drew Brees is one of them based on his track record. Again, he's never done anything bad to get in trouble. He's donated a lot of that's just time. I mean, it's one thing to get money. I've seen many videos where this, this guy is physically there on his hands and knees, helping after Katrina and stuff do his part to rebuild the city that he's well, not from, but that is his home now. So if anyone deserves an opportunity for restitution, I feel like it's Drew Brees, you know, and it's really sad and and it's ugly, but it's a reality and it's a truth. And I feel the same way for the record that saying that a quarterback saying Drew Brees is pictured in a press box with the president of the United States and having to say that negatively just shows you the state of where we're at as a society right now, culturally, and how divided we are, where being the president of the Republican party which I'm not a Democrat, I'm not a Republican, I'm an independent straight up. So I'm gonna say that too. But just him being associated with Trump alone makes you think right away, is, is Drew Brees a racist? Forget about what he said. Just seeing that, you know, images of him in the White House, or I'm not in the White House, in the press box, that alone is enough to make you question that. And it sucks, but that's the way it is. And then the last thing too, and, and this is the most important thing to me, not just with Drew Brees, but just generally speaking. And this is where, I talked about at the beginning of the podcast, I've had a lot of issues arguing with friends and family. White people can't relate to white, to black people. 
Okay. If you're white, no matter how good your intentions are, no matter how pure your heart is, no matter how big of a soul you have, no matter how kind of a person you are, at the end of the day, you're white. You're not black. You cannot relate to somebody when you have not been through it. You know, my father died. I was 19 years old. And I remember this for years and years and years. And I remember so many people trying to comfort me. And I didn't want to hear from anybody because my mindset was, you could say all the right things and I appreciate you, but you don't know what I'm feeling because you haven't gone through what I'm feeling. My father dropped dead pretty much in front of my eyes when I was 19 years old. And I was very bitter and angry about it. And I was like, how are you going to tell me how I'm supposed to feel or how am I supposed to grieve and how I'm supposed to move on? You don't know because you ain't seen that shit. I did. So I feel like that for that reason, like you don't know what it's like uh, if you're white to be black. Now, a lot of white people have kids, daughters, sons, nephews that are black. That's blood. That's family. That's different. Then I think you do have a right because you've seen with your own eyes what could happen, the inequalities of this world. But you know what I'm saying? That's my biggest takeaway of everything. Too many white people out there are trying to talk about what we should do, what we need to do, which is fine. But at the end of the day, you have to respect the fact that you're white and you're not black. And, and that does matter to me. You know, and I don't, I hope I said that right. Hopefully everyone's, no, no. My, hopefully everyone's understanding my intention. My, my thing is this, I can sympathize with the black person. I could work really hard to try to make change, which is what we all need to do. You said that and I a hundred percent agree with you, but I can't walk in somebody's shoes. If I'm not, if I'm, if I'm white, I can't walk in. I don't know what it's like to be a black person, dude. I don't know what it's like to be driving in my car, have a cop pull me over and think I'm going to get the fucking shit beat out of me. I mean, it does happen to white people too, but you, you know, you're a black person, you, you think that. I don't know what it's like to walk to a park and walk past a white woman and have her clench onto her purse real tight just because I'm black. I don't understand what that's like. You know what I'm saying? So that's my biggest beef with all this right now. Yeah. Think about how you don't have to tell your kids that, hey, when you, when you get pulled over by a police officer, it's like, yes, sir, no, sir, don't raise your voice, don't do anything. Because for us white people, you you would do that maybe so you get out of a ticket for a black person, so you don't get shot or thrown yeah. into jail for no reason. And you're right, we don't we don't know what it's like to now, be that. And, there are, try- and there's other sides, Joe. The people, and, and it's a fair point. Well, you know, bullshit happens to white people. White people have to go through a lot of shit too, to some extent. Just because you're white doesn't guarantee you anything. I I don't disagree with that. You know that that's a fair point. Well, what about us? You know, everyone's supposed to be equal. That's true. But here's the problem, bro. Everybody's not equal. And until we are, once everyone's equal, if that ever happens in our lifetime, I hope it does. I'm not overly optimistic. But once that does, sure. Then white white lives matter at that point. You know what I'm saying? All lives matter. But you know what I'm saying? In terms of this specifically, that's the most frustrating part. You could speak on it, but don't pretend that you know what it's like to be something if you're not. Sure. And, and you know, I'm, I'm sure we're almost wrapping up. But like in, at the end of the day, look, until... Until Black Lives Matter, not all lives matter at this point because that's it's you know there it's just you got to be better, man. People have to be better at this, and I, I don't really get the outcry when people are angry about Black Lives Matter where they comment with "All lives matter." It's like, dude, like just you know, I I always think of this analogy like when people say like "Save the whales," like the tuna people aren't yelling. Well, what about the tuna? Like, what about the sharks? Like, it's just like. Come on. Like- well, well, one argument, yeah, along those lines, one argument I've heard cited plenty of times is if you're at a breast cancer rally 
and people are complaining, well, what about pancreatic cancer and what about colon cancer? Yeah. Of course, all cancer matters, man. We matter. I'm white Puerto Ricans. Everybody, everyone matters, but that's not what this is about. And I wish right. more people would understand that. And again, the whole, I want to wrap up by saying, you know, the whole entire people being judged because of a small minority, like people who have a problem, like you said, with Kaepernick, and I never have felt comfortable talking about it. I've always supported what he did. I understood it, but I have a problem with people who are condemning people for looting and rioting, which I also do as well. It's disgusting, but like, what are you supposed to do? If you're going to, if you're going to condemn that, and then you're also condemning Kaepernick for taking a knee at what freaking point, bro, what is acceptable? So are you supposed to be able to protest, but only on the left side of the street between the hours of one and four, but not during, you know, this time of year, it's like you could protest, but you're going to do it all on our terms and our time and at our convenience. That's not what protesting is, man. That's not how it works. Yeah. People, people are love to live in their echo chamber where it's just, you can protest things that they agree with, not the other way around. Yeah. Well, that's, Go on, that's where to, we're at. I didn't mean to cut no, you okay. off there, man. I got, I, I do got one more question. It's not a topic. I guess it could be considered a continuation of this of sorts. If you have your takes and I have my takes, let's be frankly here. We ain't no stars, man. Nobody gives a shit. You might lose a couple Twitter followers. I might lose a couple. You know, somebody might say, well, you know, fuck, I've these, lost, fuck this guy. I've lost. We don't hold care. On. Well, go ahead. I, I've lost since I came back from my my Lent Twitter sabbatical, I've lost about 150 followers. Yeah, I've lost. I haven't lost that many, but I've lost some because I have been a little more vocal of late. That's okay, though. Here's my point. In the grand Sorry. scheme of things, nobody really gives a shit about us. We're nobodies. In the grand scheme of things, what about these reporters who are doing this for a living uh, in regards to social media? And I'll give you two examples of two guys who I personally both love a lot, but personally hate each other. Let's talk Tim Graham. Let's talk Mike Harrington. All right, let's start with Mike. Mike was on the podcast Tuesday and we had this conversation. He's, he'll, he'll talk a little bit about politics, but you know, people go to Mike Harrington and this is his words and and I'm paraphrasing, but people go to Mike because they want to hear what he has to say about hockey or about sports. That's why they go to his Twitter handle. They want information. They want news. They want his takes on things like that. Now you sprinkle in a, you know, a hot take every now and then. That's cool. And that's Mike's attitude is why rock the boat with something that I'm paid to cover sports. Mike Harrington considers to some extent, and I think he's right. His account is a, even though it says by Mike Harrington and it's his name, and I, it's still to some extent is a business account. You know what I'm saying? So sure. there's that end. Now you got the other end with Tim Graham, another guy that, again, I love fucking Tim Graham. And his attitude is, I'm going to be combative. I don't want to say combative. That, that, that's not the right word here. He's very engaging with people who are going to talk politics. He's, he's talked very openly about racism this past week or so on his Twitter. He's went at it with people over perceptions of white privilege and all kinds of stuff like that. My point is he's very involved politically speaking. Jeremy White was on, uh, he had a beautiful rant on WGR a couple of weeks ago. I really liked that a lot. He kind of went on the same deal, but like with Tim, you know, Michael and not Mike and not just Mike, lots of people are like that. And then there's lots of people like Tim, but like in one case, someone went over the line with Tim, Tim told him to fuck off, like right on Twitter. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what's your take? Like right now you're Joe from New York city. You're a guest on my podcast and you have sports takes. I have a podcast. If you were 
somebody who worked for an organization, like say the athletic or the Buffalo news or whatever. And you were in a position where you had 30,000 followers and you had more at stake than we do. Basically that's what I'm, my long winded thing is you have more at stake than we do. What would your attitude be? Would you be engaged and active on social media when it comes to this stuff? Cause it's things you believe in, or would you say, you know what? It's not what I do. And I'm not going to really talk about it much. It honestly, it depends what my employers feel about that. If my employers are like, yeah, they don't care. You know, because like, like, for example, I think ESPN had it to where they did not want politics involved in their sports at all. I think that happened like a a couple months ago. It did. And you know what? I I let you off the hook too easy. You're right. That's an obvious answer. And you're right to say that. Forget that. Let's say you have a very, very popular blog or a very popular podcast where you got a lot to lose on your own. You got 60,000 followers. You're downloading, you know, 40,000 downloads an episode. What's going to be your take? Are you going to take a stand or are you going to say, you know what? Uh, fuck this, man. I don't want to potentially lose half my audience. What, what's your take on that? I would take a stand. I don't really think you're going to lose as much as people want to say half your audience. I mean, you can, you can comb through the minutia of someone who tweets about sports all the time and who, who, who tweets politics with sports. Like you, can, you can still get, get out of that way. You know what I mean? Like, yes, everyone, if Tim Grant tweets about politics, Someone, some asshole is going to say, you know, stick to sports or, you know, I'm sure that guy is still going to read Tim Grant's sports things. He's he they play tough guy when it comes to like stick to sports, but they're going to read your sports takes. You know what I mean? Like, I, that's how I kind of feel. And secondly, if you want to talk about branding or getting clicks and I'll, you know, I can talk a little bit about that. I do think there is a audience for people who love sports, who talk, who like to hear about your opinions on like you know, racial injustice. Cause I think it does play into that. I mean, look at today. We talked about just today alone. We've talked about the Kaepernick kneeling. We talked about the cops, like what happened with the cops, with, the, with Floyd in, in, you know, Minneapolis, they all come together. Like they, they course, they, there's no way you can keep them as two separate entities because sports and society tend to clash. You know what I mean? Tend to, tend to kind of, kind of come in, you know, get involved with this. So I, I don't mind doing that you know i i think it's i think it kind of be good for your you know i hate to say the word brand but it's like kind of good for you, you know i think people will resonate to that and the people who are tough guys who are like ah oh, stick to sports they're gonna still read your damn columns even if you if they do that sort of thing like where are they gonna get their columns from elsewhere but i, I think if you're a good enough writer you can deal with that and then people will still stay with you even if you're you're woke or anything like that. Like, you know, I, I'll say this. The one thing I'll say, because there's way, way more like sports reporters who are liberals and have left leaning policies and whatnot. I cannot think of too many that are like Republicans. You know what I mean? That are the only guy I know is that that dipshit Clay Travis. Like, that's the only guy who I'm pretty sure is. Re- I think he's a Republican. He has to be. But like who? who talks about that with sports, you know what I mean? And I, and I think people love that because he gets the right wing audience or whatever the case may be, but there are not many writers or broadcasters specifically in Buffalo who are like Republicans. I can't tell you any Republican. I can tell you like, you know, Graham seems like he's a Democrat, you know, uh, other guys, you know, Nate Geary, Democrat, like anything like that, like the Jeremy white Democrat, like, I don't even know if there's, I have not seen one media member in Buffalo who has tweeted where it's like, oh, okay, is this guy a Republican when it comes to his sports takes? You know, so it's interesting, like, how people do it. I mean, I would do it. I mean, if you lose, I don't think you're going to lose as much of an audience 
as a lot of people say they I mean as a lot of people threaten to say they will. All right, listen, I was going to end the podcast with that. That would have been a perfect way to end it, but I got to let people know. So we're taping this on a Thursday. It's about 2:30 p.m. Obviously, we don't know enough information and have enough uh context to have a deep conversation about this, but people are going to be talking about this. So we have to hit on this. This is like literally breaking right now. Buffalo Bills rookie quarterback Jake Fromm is in a shitload of trouble. Put it this way. He might be wanting, Drew Brees might be wanting to send his ass a, a thank you text right now because long story short, and I'm literally, as I'm talking to you right now, taping this, reading what happened. But the gist of it is that Jake, a social media, a, a text message that Jake Fromm had from along with somebody leaked on social media early on Thursday. Uh, it's unclear when the text message actually took place, but it's viral right now as we take this and mid-afternoon Thursday. And basically the gist of it from the conversation is Jake Fromm said that guns should be made extremely expensive. So, and this is his direct quote, so only white elite people can buy them. I mean, dude, you are a fifth round <laughs> fucking rookie quarterback trying to make a football team that already has her starter entrenched and already has a pretty reliable, decent backup in Matt Barkley. That is not how you want to start your NFL career, having to come into that shit. What are you thinking? And again, this is, look, how to, uh, again, I'm, t- I'm talking to you on the fly here. I have no pre-prepared notes. This is literally just happening. The first thing I think of right away, Joe, is my son. And my son is a 17-year-old kid. He's a high school senior. And I preach to him all the time, never, whether it's Twitter, texting your boys who you think are your boys or some chick that you're dating that you think you're going to love her for the rest of your life, never say nothing on social media or text that if you've put something out, you better damn well assume that it's out there for the world to see at any point. Don't say anything to somebody privately that you wouldn't say publicly if it's going to be on social media. You know what I'm saying? This guy's screwed. I'm going to tell you that right now. Even without context. Well, he shouldn't say it. Don't say it, period. I mean, he's an idiot. I, I just, I don't even, I don't even. Yeah, I'm not sure. He's I'm already not got, shocked. He already I'm has an apology. Sh- he already, yeah, let me, let me not- read the apology right, right now on the air as, as, as this is, uh, as we wrap up here. He says, I'm extremely sorry that I chose to use the words elite white people in a text message conversation. Although I never meant to imply that I am an elite white person as stated later in the conversation, which means it's worse as he's stating that he is. Well, I don't know. Actually, I don't want to. Let me walk that back. I don't know if that's what that meant. But anyway, to continue, he says, there's no excuse for that word choice and sentiment. While it was poor, my heart is not. Now more than ever is a time for supporting togetherness and I stand against racism 100%. Promise to commit myself to being a part of the solution in this country. I address my teammates and coaches at a team meeting today and hope they see this incident. It's not representative of the person I am. Again, truly sorry for my words and actions. Humbly ask for your forgiveness. Not going to crucify him and, and say, cut him or anything like that without more context and knowing more about his character and stuff like that. But this is the shit we've just spent a lot of time talking about, man. The insensitive stupidity. And again, you don't understand what you're not. So have some compassion and have some fucking human decency and just be a better, you I don't even it. know. Be a better I, I don't even know. I don't even know. What does that even mean? Like only elite white people should have guns. I don't, what the fuck is he t- I don't know. Man. I don't, I don't even know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't know why, but like when he got, I don't know. He, 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 I hate to like throw a generic stereotype out, but I feel like when you're like super like religious and like you're a 
freaking like a white dude in the South, you're going to have these seven out of 10 times. You may have these terrible takes. You know what I mean? With like, just like that. I don't know why that's like kind of this, like the stereotype. I, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to what I've told you. If me and you have a terrible take. Oh, well, even somebody like say that radio idiot in Rochester who had a couple terrible takes. Uh, I forgot the guys and girls name already. Cause that's how irrelevant they are, but they got fired. That was my point. Screw them. Whatever. Is an NFL or a future potentially NFL quarterback. I haven't played a snap. He hasn't even played in a down in training camp yet. And he's already going to be in hot water with his teammates. Just be, you said it. You know what? We'll wrap up just by saying two simple words that you've said numerous times throughout this episode. Be better, right? Be better. Listen and just be fucking better people. Yeah. That's all, man. It's it's not it's not that be better and listen to people and stop stop making everything about yourself. Yeah, absolutely, man. Good stuff. All right, follow Joe on Twitter at Buffalo Wins, and I'll have you on again soon. And you know what? All I can say is hopefully we'll have some. This was like the no fun edition of Talking Buffalo podcast. The last today. two months have not been fun on this podcast, to be honest with you, because we've talked about the virus. We're talking about I don't know. The, it's just been sad, man. Ugh, whatever. All right, folks, that is going to do it for today. A very spirited edition of Talking Buffalo Podcast. Big ups once again, my man Joe at Buffalo Wins on Twitter. Make sure you give him a follow. I also want to thank today's show supporters, 26 Shirts, Automute, and of course, Sounds Assured. Guys, if you have not done so already, please go ahead, subscribe to this podcast, rate and review, all that fun stuff. It really helps me continue to grow the show tremendously. Also, check us out on YouTube, Talking Buffalo Podcast YouTube channel. Highlight clips up there, some original audio content coming. You'll only get it on YouTube, so check that out. And also, last but not least, follow me on Twitter, at Pamoran Tweets. Constantly there, tweeting out podcast updates, polls, promos, upcoming guests. You'll find everything you need to know about this podcast and me right there on Twitter, at Pamoran Tweets. Thank you so much for listening. I say it all the time. I really appreciate each and every single one of you. Stay safe. Have a good weekend. By the way, next Tuesday's show, got Bruce Nolan from the Nick Nolan Show. We're going to be doing something really, really fun with the NFL. So stay tuned for that. Again, be safe, be good, and I'll be back. New show next Tuesday. I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye.